0: The Australian Football Video Film Festival podcast is proudly brought to you by leagetees.com.au, the retro footy fan gear that makes every week retro round. The League Tees Footy Shop is packed with footy tees, retro footy jumpers, hoodies and all things retro footy. That's leagetees.com.au.
1: Name the game series
2: from Australian football video Have you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? Folks, let me warn you. It's bruising, bloody and very much in your face. And we've pulled out stuff that would make a 16 stone wharfie cry. the last quarter, but a hundred minutes of top footy action. Welcome to the 90s, the decade that delivered. It was a ten year period in football unlike any other this century. The electrifying 80s, the highs and lows of a dynamic decade of football. Over the next two hours, relive some of the most exciting moments in VFL football in the Sensational seven: The Peter Hudson story, Dublin's gym, the story of Jimmy Steins, the road to victory, Collingwood's struggle to the Premiership and the year of the Rising Saints, St Kilda's fight to the 1991 finals.
0: Australian Football Video Film Festival, I'm Dylan Leach. Biffs, Bumps and Brawlers, volume one. The hardest men in football for the last 40 years. The knuckle men, the slipper merchants, the knockout kings. This is the vision that has been laying in the sevens vaults. It is the ugly, brutal face of the game. It is the tape the AFL didn't want you to see. Hosted by Rex Hunt, It is a cavalcade of the biggest, baddest, and meanest names in the game. Dittrich, Dixon, Balm, Muir, Cracker, Brereton, Dipper, Kerry, Carmen, and Co. A who's who of the tribunal's favourites, from the black and white days of the early 60s through to the full colour of today. This is in your face. This is relentless, and at times terrifying. Biffs, bumps, and brawlers. They're all here. My reviewer this week is broadcaster, MC, freelance writer, and former tribunal reporter for SEN, Megan Huskwright. This week is Megan Hustwaite and she's reviewing the 2001 title, Mumps, Biffs and Brawlers Volume 1. Megan, welcome to the Australian Football Video Film Festival.
1: Hi, Bill. It's great to be here and it is great to be reviewing Triple B, Biffs, mm. Bumps and Brawlers Volume 1, of course, because there's multiple volumes and uh, I think we're going to have a bit of fun with this one.
0: Megan, tell us the story of Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers, a very controversial film when it was released.
1: You're right, Bill. It's quite scandalous, actually. And it was released in 2001, which doesn't seem that long ago. Um, but it is, really. It was a different time, um, reflecting on a different time of footing. And it was first aired on Channel 7 before going to VHS, so 2001 and I reckon there's a bit of feeling in this whole production and that's because what got me thinking was at the end of it, uh, there's a little graphic that comes up on the screen which thanks everyone involved for their contribution to Channel 7's football coverage over 45 years Mm. and 2001 of course being uh, the last season of that broadcast where Channel 7 had the footy with the following year, Network 10 and Channel 9 sharing the rights. And I just reckon this might have been inspired uh, off the back of the Up Yours Oakley bumper sticker because I reckon it's got a bit of Up Yours um, to the AFL feeling about it.
0: So you're saying Channel 7 kind of made this out of spite as they were going through a divorce <laughs> with the AFL?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think wow. it was. Um, yeah, I think that's a bit of feeling there. And it was, uh, okay, well, we're going to get into the archives. We're going to go into that little dark room upstairs in uh, in South Melbourne and uh, in the studios at Channel 7 and get out enough uh, footage of big stumps and brawlers to last us this 90-minute special. And, um, you know, there's a few disclaimers from the host Rep Hunt during... Uh, biff, bumps and brawlers about, you know, we don't condone violence. And this is what the game used to be, and we're just showing you what it's like. But it's a different time now.
2: Now you might think we've been glorifying the Biff here, folks. Not at all. We're just showing you how much the game has changed.
1: Mm, I reckon there's a story behind this bumps and brawlers, and perhaps that could be your next podcast series.
0: So. They say in art, Megan, that, you know, some of the best films and songs have come out of breakups. And I guess <laughs> when Channel 7 were breaking up with the AFL, they created Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers, which we could all enjoy for generations to come. So there is a positive out of that.
1: Absolutely. And it was so good it led to a volume two.
0: Exactly. That's right. There was a volume two of Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers because why not? Tell us about the production. eh? How does it reflect the bumps, the Biffs and the Brawlers?
1: Well, it's been produced very well, still, that's for sure. It's broken up into segments. So we started off with Rex Hunt, who uh, has, out of all the Channel 7 talents that could be uh, called upon to host this special, it was Rex. Oh, no one better than Rex.
0: No one better than
1: Rex. No one better than Rex. Uh, dressed in the Channel Seven uh, black blazer with the logo as well. I used to like that uniform just quite like oh, the the green cap
0: cap of commentators uh, that, that that blazer
1: It sure is. And Rex gives us a bit of a disclaimer to start off with and that's for, you know, families that might be tuning in and sitting on the couch and putting their feet up to watch this one and, and parents as well to put the kids to bed and kick the dog outside because things are about to get uh,
2: Good evening, folks. Time to lock up the kids, put out the dog, and sit back and relax and have a look at footy as it used to be.
1: And that's exactly what happens. And I guess the tone is set going back to the black and white television times of footy, and it's uh, it's pretty rough and tough stuff. Now the commentary is a highlight throughout all of this, and, and we'll talk about it as we get through all of this segment. but. Yeah, going back to the early days, and it's you know it's buggery. There's no doubt about that. But it's um, the, the jaw-dropping incident that only outdone, if at all, by the commentary. And I'm talking some vintage Mike Williamson, a bit of Lou Richards in his early
0: Butch Gale
1: commentary days. Yes, yeah, Butch Gale he really um, liked
0: it too. He got very excited. He was like, "Oh, I don't know about that." Rosa now
2: came through, punched the ball away. Oh! And he comes again, though Papley. He won't give up. Oh,
1: puts it back. <laughs> the commentary throughout this is just terrific. How, um, how
0: how excited did commentators get when there's Biffo? That's uh, one thing. Like, um, there's that great bit of uh, Peter Landy going, "Oh, TV ringside!" And just it'll be up the field. It's on the beauty. TV ringside. Just, just, that, just how their voice would just just go up a notch because they're, they're calling a fight and they, they, it sounds like they've lived for it. Forget the, the high marks or the great goals, they're calling a fight.
1: And you could make a highlight reel of the commentary going, whoa, whoa, wow, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, there's a lot of that Some great lines amongst it and uh, we'll touch on them throughout. So we get things um, kicked off with the black and white stuff just to set set the scene and then we're into fiery fords. And there's graphics, graphics throughout all of this. And, of course, getting us underway with fiery forwards, and there's been a few of them over the journey, some of the greatest the game's ever seen in terms of goal kickers. And mm. uh, no, none other than plug up to kick us off. And his graphic tells us, as of time of um, publication in 2001, he'd been reported to 13 times for 23 weeks suspension.
0: Mm. Brownlow medalist as well.
1: Brownlow Middle East as well and uh, spoiler alert, there's a little bit more of uh, the Brownlow winners to come. So Plugger gets us underway and look, I'm not gonna lie, I don't mind keeping back and getting on YouTube and watching some of Plugger's great highlights. But I've never really taken a real interest in some of the hits, and boy, he knew where to hit him. <laughs>
0: He didn't mind the biff plugger, um, of course there was that incident with him and Peter Caven.:
2: But Craig goes over the top of him, Dean Gregg kicks from a standing start inside. Oh, oh
1: lock it.
0: Courage shown um, where he just knocked him out early and then kicked 11 goals off his own boot as well as trying to kill the, the old ladies behind the, uh, the old ladies <laughs> and Kenny behind the goals at the SCG that day in 1994.:
1: Poor Kenny. Oh, um, he, he almost and- killed him. It did, and you know, this is the funny—the funny, the funny thing—who—who who would have known back then where he was going to end up and be celebrated? So, um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't too far away in the future, and you know, he was um, in arm with Kenny singing the the Swan Song. Um, so, Plugg got us off the mark, and then straight into Gary Ublett,
0: who we've already established on this program didn't mind the Biff. Oh,
1: did he ever? Um, so. You know, there's, there's quite a series of um, of incidents. They they didn't have any trouble finding um, footage of God going the bits, the bumps and the brawls. And that takes us into Wayne Carey. I mean, it's just a who's who of fiery boards. And at this stage, Duck was 12 reports for eight weeks suspension. And look, I just don't, I just didn't remember um, Wayne Carey being a bit of a thud like that in the early days too.
0: I think it must have come from being tagged. Not not that we're justifying the Biffo, just like Rex. But I, I think <laughs> with a lot of these forwards, they would have been tagged, pinched, and irritated. And they're very competitive types, so naturally they got a bit shitty with their opponents. And would that be a fair assessment?
1: Oh, absolutely fair. I mean, five blokes hanging off you. You've got Craig Kelly going the pinchy pinch behind play. Um, you know, it it would provoke anyone to lose their marbles so and following the who-to as name still and it, at number four is barry hall and there could be a abyss bumps and brawlers volumes three four and five uh in tribute to barry hall and of course this was just summing up his days at st kilda of course because
0: he would have just been a saint back in 2001
1: He was, and he'd only been reported only, only seven times. Oh, just seven times, whatever. Um, Seven was nothing. uh, When we take a look at what was to come for Barry, and of course that was going to Sydney and uh, the infamous Brent Staker incident, among many others, and then his time at the Western Bulldogs, Uh, there was one particular incident shown in Fire Four, and the commentators were uh, up in arms. He's gone mad. Get him off the ground, Stan, was the play to St Kilda coach, Stan Al. Oh, oh, he's, go it. he's oh, gone, gone mad. Silly. Barry. Go, Barry. Okay, do not hesitate, Stan. Get that man off the ground. He's going to cost your club. This is just not on. Gee, if only uh, Rex knew what was to come for Barry Hall when this was done back in 2001. And there was another, the other one I loved uh, from Peter Landy was he's throwing a couple of cut lunches at Anthony Rocker. A couple uh, couple of cut lunches. (laughs) A couple of cut lunches. And Peter Landy, uh, yeah, that was a cracker from him. Oh, oh, a couple of cut lunches thrown
2: there. I don't think I'd steal the bills of uh, either of those guys in a cup.
1: Jared Healy was there and called him a goose and uh, Anthony Hudson gave the take him off.
2: One thing to give the free kick away. Oh, Barry, oh, no. that'd be a goose. Take
1: him off. You know, a bit of a uh, a bit of a tribute to uh, get the boy off, get take the, the boy off.
0: Yeah, you got to get the boy off. Sometimes you just got to get the boy <laughs> off. We've just finished with the fiery forwards and then I believe Rex comes back and he's, uh, he's, he's made the effort to sort of break up the bumps, the biffs and the brawlers. I've broken this segment up into three
2: parts. The educated elbow, the coat hanger and the good old-fashioned biff. That's
1: exactly right, Bill. We then get into... How about this, the educated elbow, okay. the coat hanger and the bitch? Oh. And Rex says they're all highly effective. Well, they get the but job done. All don't. highly, all highly illegal.
2: All highly effective, but all highly illegal. And
1: that, that's the theme. That's the constant thread throughout the 90 minutes of this superb documentary hosted by Rex Hunt. One second is cheering on these antics. And the other, he's saying, we do not condone them at all. Don't try this at home. Oh, of Don't course not. Don't try this in the backyard.
0: <laughs> surely, when, surely when this was released, there would have been outrage. I, I, I just can't, even even for, what, 19 years ago, there would have been people going, no, you can't just show 90 minutes of non-stop biff.
1: You're exactly right, Phil. And it's been an interesting uh, task um, as part of reviewing this wonderful piece of football history. As recently as September last year, September 2019, Big Bumps and Brawlers Volume 1 was referenced in an article on the New York Times website.
0: No way. It,
1: it featured in a think piece on concussion in AFL. That really? This documentary way back when, in 2001, You know, showed how it was regarded in the game and, and almost celebrated. mm It is the gift that keeps on giving. Because one thing I've
0: noticed in the DVD release of it is it actually isn't AFL approved. If you look at the cover and if you look at it, it actually doesn't have official AFL unlike all the other videos. So clearly League HQ were pretty shitty on the idea of Biff's Bumps and Brawlers.
1: Especially as we mentioned, and I'd love to know exactly when it went to air on Channel 7 in 2001 that it was a production made by the host broadcast. Mm. Like, it's extraordinary, really. Um, And as Rex takes us through the educated elbow, coat hanger and bits, he also mentions that the amazing thing is, folks, hardly any of those things ended up at the tribunal. And that's definitely another theme throughout this doffo, is that this was around the time um, that, more and more cameras had been brought into the game, and we had video reviews, mm. um, trial by video. So there was definitely a you know a large portion of the football fraternity that didn't like that, and this kind of stuff was being stamped out of the game. So again. Um, it takes me back to the, uh, the upstairs Oakley bumper sticker. I feel like that's a real vibe throughout
0: this. It's interesting you mentioned the sort of attitudes towards Biffo because as, as we refer and we will constantly throughout this conversation, how the commentators respond, a lot of them just saw it as part and parcel. There was no one better than I because Cause I'd put, I'd put this to you. The, um, Andrew Gaff Brayshaw incident, if that was covered the way it was, say, 30 years ago, do you think the commentators would have been more excited by it? Not that we're justifying it, rec style?
1: Mm, Absolutely. And as someone that covered ASL Tribunal um, on radio for for over 10 years, I sat through, um, you know, countless hearings, that being one of them, and um, some really terrible incidents that are looked upon Um, and frowned upon now but it certainly made me think after watching this documentary again that really would have been celebrated or um, maybe not celebrated but (laughs) it would have got sort of excitement and shock and um, stirred up all the emotions of the commentators whereas it's a completely different approach these days when we do see those of incidents, which are very rare in our game now.
0: Well, I figured, uh, given your tribunal history, your history as a tribunal reporter, I figured there was no one better to review, uh, Biff's bumps and brawlers, uh, aside from the video, what was the players code still alive and well when you were uh, covering the tribunal? (laughs)
1: Uh, I remember a particular night at tribunal and, uh, there were two instances, I guess, over the ten years that I spent my Tuesday nights there, and one was where the players' club was out the door, and it was off the back of a really fiery clash between Carlton and Essendon, where Chris Yaron had just started throwing haymakers at Paul Chapman. Yes, Paul Chapman played for Essendon. That's Can right. you believe that?
0: Yes, he did for a year. That's right.
1: <laughs> um, and he look, it's fair to say Chris Yaron lost the lost the plot in this particular game and it was very, very ugly scenes and um, so Chappie wound up um, at, at tribunal and look, I wouldn't say threw him under the bus um, but there was no players code followed um, He um, certainly didn't tolerate what happened to him and he stark contrast, that deal. I remember uh, North Melbourne were in a preliminary final and Boomer, of course was up, um, challenging a suspension, and it was for contact on Joel Selwood. And it was actually the night of uh, the Australian Awards, and Joel was going and was in the team, but decided to um, nicely stop off at ASL House and give evidence uh, to try and help Boomer get off. And he just sung in the hymn book, Joel Selwood, um, and Harvey's uh, legal team found some champion data, and it's the best snippet of data from champion data I've ever heard, and that was that Joel Selwood bled more than any other player in the competition because he came off through the blood rule more than any other player in the history of the game.
0: Oh, wow. That's brilliant. And then, of course, we had, and now these days we've got players like Basha Hawley getting the then Prime Minister to write a reference Mm -hmm. to get off at the Tribunal.
1: That was extraordinary. I do remember that night. Um, Wally Ali was part of that as well. And I remember another night where um, Courtney Dempsey, uh, the former Essendon player, was up and uh, they went back to school teachers and junior footy coaches giving references and um, a phone call on the old landline phone for a character reference is not unusual at the tribunal, apart from this Tuesday night late in the season. The call was made to... Uh, legendary former Essendon coach Kevin Sheedy. Sheep was in Hawaii, and it's fair to say he'd had a few cocktails by the pool. And uh, it it made for some very interesting evidence that was uh, (laughs) put to the jury on loudspeaker for the entire hearing. And uh, it's certainly one of my favourite memories of of Tribe
2: It's going to go. Got it. The record they said would never fall. It did and how. Plugger 1300 is the story of the man behind the most famous goal-kicking feat in history by the man himself, Tony Lockett. From shy and killed a player into the most potent forward in 102 years of league footing. Plugger 1300. The story, the highlights, the goals. It's all here in this special expanded video version presented by Jason Dunstall. Get your copy at these stores now.
0: Let me take some time out to give a plug for our sponsors, of course, the mighty tease.com.au. Now, what is League Tease, you ask, ah, dear listener? Well, let me tell you, folks, League Tease is real footy tees and badges for bl- real fair dinkum footy fans. Now, their retro footy fan gear, they basically make every week retro round, which is pretty much... Ties well with the Australian Football Video Film Podcast. Don't forget. Now the League Tees Footy Shop is basically packed with Footy Tees, retro Footy jumpers, hoodies, and all things retro Footy. Hey, there's even rugby league and basketball. If you're in the, if you've got a hankering for a Gold Coast Rollers or Southeast Melbourne Magic T-shirt, I'll tell you, League Tees has it. Now. At Leg Tees, they reckon, and we do too here at the Australian Football Video Film Festival, that footy was indeed at its best when it was a bit rough around the edges. A bit like our editing on this podcast, really. Uh, That's why our footy fan gear is all about the game we grew up with back when footy was for the footy fan. Damn straight where can I get all this sensational stuff? And I'm just having a look at the League Tees website. It's very hard not to just, you know, give... I I basically could give Anthony my credit card and just let him let rip and send me more stuff. But I won't do that. And I don't recommend you do that. But I do recommend you buy some of uh, the great gear at leagetees.com.au. That's (laughs) leagetees.com.au. go back to the subject of bumps, biffs and brawlers, could you imagine some of the tribunal hearings that would have taken place um, in some of those sorts of incidents that are highlighted in this fine film?
1: I can only imagine. And not only would I love to to have been at the pudding when Mm. some of these biffs, bumps and brawlers took place, and I can imagine us in the outer having an absolute day out watching some of this stuff. But I would have loved to be in tribunal or a fly on the wall at some of these hearings because there's great stories and some of the veteran journals that um and are, are now retired uh used to talk about the old tribunal tales, like the old war stories yeah and the deal's done in the list on the way up and um you, you know, say this, I will say
0: that that kind of thing
1: yep, and uh unfortunately, there was more than a few instances where um Tribunal jury member was in the list, and uh, the players agreeing to uh, to said deal uh, were unaware that that was a jury member. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) some great times, no doubt.
0: Some real moments in justice there. um, (laughs) With it,
1: the um, bumps, biffs,
0: and brawlers. It it highlights uh, a couple of really significant moments in Biffo, and I want to um, ask you about two of them, if you don't mind. The first one I want to ask you about is uh, their take on the famous Windy Hill Brawl of uh, 1974, uh, at uh, between Richmond and Essendon and then of course there was the exhibition match in London, the Battle of Britain and uh, uh, between North Melbourne and Carlton where uh, a young man by the name of Alistair Clarkson uh, really made his impact on the game uh, how does Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers cover these significant moments of uh, football violence?
1: Well it was to the honey still um, these two particular incidents uh, received dedicated segments starting off with that infamous uh, exhibition match in London and a tie to to music. I mean, it was an opportunity to to get some music um, happening behind some of these scenes.
2: That was October 1987, the Battle of Britain, and seven players rubbed out for a total of 15 weeks as we took football to London. And, folks, the Poms didn't know what hit them.
1: As Rex said, the Poms didn't know where to look. They had no idea what was going on. Was it an exhibition? It sure was. Uh, Seven players were rubbed out for a combined total of 15 weeks. So what an exhibition it was. (laughs) And it rolled straight into the Windy Hill Brawl and Rex explained he was, you know, in the thick of it. He was in the middle of it out there at Windy Hill as the Tigers took on the bombers.
2: Back in 1974, it happened on our own turf, Essendon and Richmond, in a full-scale war at half-time. It was known as the Windy Hill Brawl. And it erupted around me.
1: And, uh, of course, Malcolm Brown features uh, quite prominently.
2: And in the centre of things, my old mate, Malcolm G. Brown.
0: I, think, I he, think Mel Brown gets his own segment from memory.
1: He gets his own segment. How about this? I never knew this. And I just think it's extraordinary. Rex explains that in 1972, in the post-season, West Perth took on Carlton in Adelaide. Mm. in a sort of, you know... I Champions know kind of Australia, of course, I think it was.
0: Champions of Australia Championship.
1: That. We'll bring that back. Um, that's another conversation for another time, but bring that back. Now, Carlton won the match in Adelaide, but Mel won the brawl.
2: Hello, there she goes. Oh, look at that.
0: Because Mel, of course, only played 14 VFL games, but, you know... Um, he was a thug and everyone just knew knew him for brutal violence from uh, both his waffle days and his brief VFL cameo.
1: Yep, the VFL cameo. As you said, it's quite extraordinary that it was just 14 games, but didn't he have a reputation coming from West Perth? And the Champions of Champions Championship, what a a way to showcase, uh, you know, the waffle champions and the success West Perth were having in Western Australia. And, uh uh-oh, here's Mel Brown. Um, so I think for someone that played 14 league games, he gets a lot of airtime. He really bumps and brawlers. He
0: really does. And um, if I can refer to another video that I used to watch called "A Tiger Tail Richmond in '95, I watched that a lot. Um, the video <laughs> ends with the with John Norrie leaving the club and John Norrie's wife calling Mel Brown a bully.
1: Nobody will stand up and. Check Brown, he's been a bully all his goddamn life. You can ask anybody in Perth. So
0: basically the whole Mel Brown content is him beating people up and being called a bully. So uh, dear old Mel, uh, he's, uh, he's not looked favourably in some of these productions.
1: <laughs> he's not. Um, look, I love that tale, um, copying a, a mouthful from, from the coach's wife on the way out. And, um, you know, speaking of coaches, leaders of football clubs, it takes us into our next segment. And that is team leaders. Oh. As Rex plays. players he called the Cyclones, the players who left a trail of destruction in their wake. And it takes us into, you know, highlights reel of Des Pudnam, into Lee Matthews. And my goodness, sometimes you've just got to have a look at that footage of Lee Matthews, and not just the Neville Bruns once. Mm. But my God, he. Had a a list of victims,
0: didn't he? He really did, including a goal post. Oh, the
1: post is broken. Matthews hit it
2: and broke the point post. Oh, talk about a he-man.
1: It was lethal, even to the prop.
0: It is the fact um, that Lee Matthews, who has been voted the greatest footballer of the 20th century, has an assault charge on the field. Is it problematic, as they would say these days?
1: Imagine the sink pieces we we spoke about that earlier that would happen now if there was a discussion around Lee Matthews being inducted to the Australian Football Hall of Fame. It would be problematic, wouldn't it? Yeah, because he
0: was one of the first ones, wasn't he? He was he, he was inducted in '96, so he he got in. Yeah, straight up. He he was straight in, but I mean, we're having those sorts of debates with Gary Senior becoming a legend now, aren't we? So. Um, yeah, like great footballer, but geez, was brutal, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: he was. He was lethal. Um well, lived and up to his name. I yeah, can, <laughs> I can totally understand why uh, he got up the goats of opposition supporters because he was so damn good. But look, he was dirty. There's no, there's no <laughs> two ways about that. And the third player featured in team leaders is a current coach, and that's something we'll. Um, touched on a bit later in this chat John Worsfold and uh, boy there's some highlights from his West Coast date.
0: Now for a nerdy looking pharmacist, uh, John Worsfold <laughs> was quite
1: tough Oh he was and he got germ an absolute beauty to the square, Can
0: anyone get a run at it?
1: Brereton waits down and may have to try and sock it. He's hammered over the line yeah. Um in uh, <laughs> one of these highlights but uh team leaders, for me, it's it's a bit of a taste of what's to come because going back to the production of this production, the way that it's been separated into segments, the themes, the subjects, and the topics, and the names and the graphics, it's been very well thought out by whoever was behind this, and uh, we then go into a little bit of tripping, kicking, that kind of stuff. The unconventional, uh, pushing players into fences, players sliding into the goalposts, falling into the crowd. There's a great one of Justin Fletcher toppled over the fence um, and so, so it's his a bit... Inspector Gadget body kind of stretches over five rows of spectators. So
0: it's a bit of a good old-fashioned slapstick kind of segment.
1: It is. It could have done, if I'm going to be critical, um, it could have, been done a little better the post-production in terms of um it could have been some music you know behind that are you uh, saying it could
0: have done with maybe some sort of batman sound effects and then that sort of biff pow bam kind of thing do you reckon it could that could have really added to the production
1: Yeah,
0: because I just um, show the raw footage don't they with a bit of a music bed it's not it's not like a yeah yeah it hasn't got the sort of punch sound effects or anything like that
1: no, nah, they could have been, you know, you could have just lifted a track from Jerry*, the cartoon. <laughs> Benny Hill could have it there could have been a bit of Benny Hill um, yeah. under some of the sliding into goal and point post. Mm. Um, and and that takes us into, you know, a bit of white line fever, some malaise being explored. Um, there's a particularly good one pre-game and it would have to take the cake for the best malay pre-game. Late 90s, um, Essendon in Collingwood, it's Bruce McAvaney calling it. It's happened before the uh, the coin toss, and it's a night game, so it would have to be a Friday night at the MTG, and it was on for young and old. And have a look down here. There's a
2: fight on before the match extraordinary scenes at the mcg there's a blue before the match and they're into it left right and center there's Kelly and Danaher now, the Collingwood players were forced to run through the banner at an odd angle because the banner had arrived late, the Essendon players were congregated nearby and have a look on the bottom of this where it looks as if a couple of uh, players, one from Essendon and one from Collingwood are at it, now Gerard Healy it's, uh, did you cop anything there when I was looking at the ladder? Well, I did see Hardwick come uh, running in, uh, throwing a few fisticuffs, but it just augers well for a good game. Bruce doesn't with both sides so uh, spirited. Of course, they did clash in a memorable grand final there in 1990 when Collingwood
0: pipped them. Collingwood, of course, settled down better after the uh, the blow. This is before I'm they sure. ran through the banner, isn't it? I think I, think I know yeah. the one you're talking about.
1: Yeah, extraordinary. And uh, I'm sure there wasn't reference in this particular snippet of footage, but I'm sure there was reference to uh, the brawl in the 1990 grand final. But to have a melee happen so early, and then Collingwood, um, so Tony Shaw was captain. So um, that gives us a better indication of the, the timeline. Um, and Collingwood kind of got their act together, shook it off and went and got, got themselves ready for the game, because this is pre-game, of course, S M um, would definitely wound up. I don't know what happened or what started it, but uh, it certainly earned its place in this one.
0: The malays are great to watch, aren't they? I mean, f- violence aside, which as we want to state, just like Rex, we're not condoning violence, not at all. Now you might think
2: we've been glorifying the biff here, folks. Not at all.
0: How good is watching a melee?
2: It's
1: great. It's great, <laughs> Gil. And we were talking about Barry Hall earlier and how he would feature in future volumes of this. And I was thinking, you know what else would? One of the great malays, and it was that draw, the line in the sand game between Easton and Hawthorne in 2004.
0: A few years um, after Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers.
1: Yeah, three years after. Um, and, of course, Derm, Dermot Raritan, who features uh, prominently throughout this documentary as a big man perpetrator. Mm. I'm surprised he wasn't in fire at all, to be honest. Um, it was Derm as a board member, a director of the Horseman Football Club that went in at half-time and, and put it up. Uh, well, fair to say, Richie Vandenberg and, and friends uh, who went out and gave it to the Bombers. And I remember Mark Johnson from Essendon sort of drowned. It looked like he was drowning in the melee. Um, he sort of saw his head bobbling and then he just went under. see him again. Um, Adam McPhee was probably... The most um, notable thing about his career, I, I think, on reflection was, um, yeah, his blood streaming down his face and he was pointing the finger and uh, I think threatening the life of the horseman's opponent, to be quite frank. Well, so I, I think um, in the
0: next edition of Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers, that would be the opener. If I were, I'd get uh, Rex to throw to that straight away.
1: Yeah, and a music track. No yeah. music band, There's music under that. Yeah. And the commentary was quite good, though. The commentary was good. That was Channel 10. Um, Ironically, Michael
0: and- Christian, the man in charge of the tribunal, is quite excited uh, watching that.
1: <laughs> and that's our point, isn't it? The subject we keep coming back to hasn't game changed in the way that we look at these things. <laughs>
0: um, but the thing is, I want to go back to the subject of commentators and just how enthused they are about it. Um, there's a couple of standouts for me, and I, I want to give credit to Peter Landy who in the 1979 grand final just loses it once there's a bit of biff at the start. And there's that famous one with um, Robbie Muir and Dennis Collins from Carlton where Robbie Muir just clocks him and he just goes, whoa, whoa, TV ringside of beauty. Um, What would be your sort of favourite commentator reactions? It's not necessarily your favourite commentators, but your favourite sort of reactions to some of these, uh, some of the biff we used to see on the field.
1: Well, there's some great work from Peter Landy throughout this bumps and brawlers. Um, and it's, it's perfectly timed because Rep takes us into the fact that in 2001, in, the AFL introduced tougher penalties in grand finals. And so then we see a bit of a highlight reel, you know, Neil Baum in 73, Derm in 84, Terry Danaher in 1990 grand final. But Renee Gink, my goodness, he is wound up. And, uh, Peter Landy, I feel like he would be he was shaking his head in disbelief and he he, he almost tells Renee, You're gone, son.
2: In comes Renee King, used a bit of weight down, went young, in goes the weight, brewers in there, young is out cold. But a fair bump, I thought. Careful Renee, you're gone, son. You're gone. Very stupid.
1: So Peter kind of is on both sides of the fence with this bumps and rolls. I feel like sometimes he was excited, sometimes he was um he was tutting. Uh, The other one, the unsung commentary hero of this is Ian Robertson. Yes. he features quite prominently throughout. um, And he called a lot of games on Channel 7. And then he was a staple of the 90s. And
0: he was a bloody good football caller, Robbo.
1: He was great, wasn't he? I loved him. Um, We have similar childhood football memories when it comes to, uh, you know, the 90s and, and Channel 7 broadcasting the footy deal. and. Yep, I reckon Robbo is an underrated commentator, um, but he he does some very fine work in this bumps and brawlers.
0: There's a passage of Robbo's commentary uh, involving Tony Lockett that I absolutely love, and it's not him actually glorifying what Lockett's doing; it's him telling Tony to stop.
2: Great <laughs> not worth it, Tony. Three minutes or three. What do
1: they get? One, two, two. Peter, look. Gee whiz, is such a valuable player for St Kilda.
2: Get out of it.
0: And he's oh like, God. don't do it, Tony. Tony, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he's just so frustrated that he's doing it. He's like, lost it. He's like, this is a champion of the game. I've had enough of him doing this. I'm going to make a stand in the commentary box.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a bit of that from Robbo and from. Um Peter Landy, and look, they were commentating the bulk of the games back then. I mean, it wasn't, you know, eight games a weekend either. It was uh, only a couple of games. So um, they, you know, each round, each weekend, but they were seeing this stuff. And you do get the feeling sometimes they were set up with it. Or, like we touched on with Barry Hall earlier, they could see it unraveling. Um, and I think that was the case with Tiger a few times.
0: So clearly when Channel 7 lost the rights in that year of 2001, there would have been a pre-production meeting planning out the whole season and someone out of spite said, right, let's just get the old Biffo reels out and this will just piss off the AFL and rate it will rate its socks and everyone off. will love it.
1: That's exactly how it unfolded, Bill. We know that for sure. I do want to know, when it aired during the season or during the year, and the time of night, because it had to be a post nine thirty pm job.
0: My my um, research suggests that it aired on the Wednesday night of Grand Final Week two thousand and one, oh. and it where it aired after Blue Healers, nine thirty.
1: Healers. Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah. So two thousand
1: and one. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's post uh, live and kicking Day. Yeah. Because you know, in the glory days where i kicking was on on a Wednesday night yeah. um, <laughs> at 9.30. But, gee, uh, they've got it enough to make you, would have, you uh, would have had
0: some, Yeah, well, you would have had some brutality in Mount Thomas, just another murder in that small country town, <laughs> and then two hours at that hour and 90 minutes of biffo. It was a top night's viewing on Channel 7 that night.
1: Well, considering only, what, four years later, John Wood, uh, Constable Tom from Mount Thomas... Sergeant Tom. Um,
0: it was sergeant. It was not a constable. Come on.
1: Sorry. <laughs> How very dare I? Sergeant Tom uh, was fronting made in Melbourne. That's The r- the, the, the tale was bought on Channel Seven in Melbourne. Um, one of the great documentaries. Um, so it's very interesting that um you know sliding doors moment could have been Sergeant Tom into uh. John Wood hosting fist bumps and brawls, but no, they went with Rex. Who knows what the audition process was like for the hosting position.
0: Do you reckon they had some screen tests at Channel 7 at the time to get a host Absolutely. For so who do you reckon? So obviously Rex aced his audition. Who do you reckon? Did, did um, they get Bruce? Bruce would have been too polite.
1: Yeah, Bruce was too polite. I think John Deeks thought he was probably a champ. Yeah, Deeksy he thought
0: or- he'd have a good chance. He couldn't rate it and, you know... You add a bit of flair yep. to it. Uh, Rob Elliott, the host of Wheel of Fortune, probably thought he was a chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it. Who's, you know, who's on a contract? Who's on a retainer? Who can we use?
0: Yeah, Dita Broomer,
1: maybe. Oh, there would have been someone from Summer Bay. I mean, that reminds me of the good old uh, Good Friday uh, telethon uh, for the Royal Children's Hospital. The Summer Bay stuff coming down and they can't read out Young Dylan's uh, donation from can't Mooruba.
0: Yeah, they can't pronounce suburbs. Yeah, that's always a good one. Uh, maybe Jim Wilson. I reckon Jim Wilson would, would have fancied himself a chance to host Biff's Bumps and Brawlers.
1: Well, he would have been anchoring sport on uh, Seven Nightly News at that stage oh, in easily. 2001, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and look, I guess the other, um, the other one we have to mention that would have um, thrown his hat into the ring was Craig Hutchison. I mean... In 2001, he was a rising star at Channel 7. Yep. Um, Young so, upstart
0: Hachi. He didn't mind a bit of biffo, didn't mind a bit of verbal biffo in his journalism back then.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it was just a sign of things to come, really. So, um, you know, I'm sure he was he was uh, in and around that process as well, but I, I'm sure, deal, there would have been a screen test. But the fact that um, Rex was, in his own words, in the thick of the Great Windy Hill Brawl, he played with a lot of these guys. He probably caught hips from others and dished out some of his own. Perhaps, you know, not enough to make it onto this um, highlight thrill, but uh, I think on reflection, they got the right hope. Oh,
0: there's no doubt Rex is the absolute star of bumps, bips and... Brawlers. Now, trial by video has slowed
2: things down in recent years. And I can understand you mums and dads out there saying, yeah, Rexy, about time. For years, football could turn into football at the flash of a fist.
1: It is. And, you know, we we touched on Brownlow medalists being showcased and the coaches coaches were not ignored. Um, Coaches of the current day in 2001 and recently departed coaches from the game... Do as I say, not as I did, is how reps introduced this one. Folks,
2: I like to think of this next segment as do as I say, uh, not as I did. And just for fun, we've looked back at the on-field antics of our AFL coaches when they were out there battling for a kick themselves.
1: Robert Walls, Lee Matthews, Mick Malthouse, Gary Ayres. Gary Ayres, and, you know, you have your Ayres, your Walls, your Matthews. Gary Ayres made... Uh, a real piece of it, it's fair to say, in this little segment. Peter Schwab's in there, Danny Frawley, the late, great Danny Frawley, Terry Wallace makes an appearance. Mm. Prunism uh, well, is what Rex called it. Prunism.
0: Right. <laughs> that, 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 that's very Rex. That's incredibly <laughs> Rex. One of the other things um, I noticed throughout Biffs, Bumps and Brawlers, or Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers, the uh, people are confused. I think the video says it's Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers, but the production says Biffs, Bumps and Brawlers, or the other way around anyway, um, is the art of the umpire booking them. Because these days it's picked up all on video or by an umpire's observer, but there's something special about the art of the umpire whipping out a book and taking their number.
1: Ah. Oh. It was all theatre, wasn't it, Jill? And, um, and, the, and the commentators you know, would
0: go, oh, he's get the book out.
1: He's got the book out. And it was a process. It was a, you know, it's a bit like waiting for the umpire to raise their finger for a bit of a you know, dubious LBW. Um, you know, you're waiting. You're watching that process. There's the notebook coming out of that magnificent white jacket. Um, Rex mentioned throughout that trial by video had just been introduced and had slowed things down. So there's definitely, you know, there's bitterness. From Rex and Channel 7, that you know, what have you done to our game? Um, but yes, the umpires, you know, these days the theatre, we see it from Ray Chamberlain, it's nothing on what we used to see, and uh, yeah, the umpires cop it, didn't they? Um, a few different instances throughout this Bumps and brawlers, uh, diesel gets his time in the sun, um, and yeah, a and few that, others. That but
0: was, but that, but in hindsight, diesel's. I mean, compared to what else is in Biff's, Bumps and Brawlers, Greg Williams' encounter with an umpire is quite tame. Um, of course, there's that uh, Graham Carberry uh, fabulous fill incident. Forward
2: pocket area, side bottom getting up. The umpire's talking. Oh, did you see that one? Did you see that one? Carmen in the thick of things down there. Has been reported by the Boundary umpire. I'm sure it has been reported by the Boundary umpire. They only bring the, they bring the pencil out
1: when they going to report, don't they? Do? Sure they do. I'm oh, no. fabulous, Phil. Well, I'm surprised that Phil didn't get a segment. He deserved a segment
0: because he was a very oh, violent player. It.
1: Yeah, he was very violent. Um, yeah, so look, I'm not going to go through and list what is missing or who is missing from this spectacular documentary, Volume 1, uh, I, I may add. There is an ex-
0: yes, there is a, a, the there extended edition, yes.
1: Yeah, and who, you know, as Hutto would say, who would have known the sequel? Um,
0: would be just as good be, as the original,
1: yes. Exactly. So mm. um, perhaps, you know, Fabulous still gets his time in the sun in, in Volume 2, I'm not sure. But uh, I would have thought he was uh, right for the picking in Volume 1.
0: Yeah, there's not enough fabulous Phil, but obviously there's the calm, there's a bit of Phil Carmen, but there's obviously the incident with the boundary umpire Graham Carberry, um, and then there's the other one, the ultimate in umpire, shall we say, push and shove. Of course, the John Burke incident, which was a reserves match.
1: Oh, gee, what a way to put the reserves match up in light. Still, um, extraordinary. Can you just I take us worry.
0: through the John Burke incident? For those of for those listeners who may not know, could you take us through the incident with John Burke?
1: Jill, you take it, take the listeners through it, and then I'll provide an insight or a replay. I'll see. Want me to
0: do Okay. I I will. I, this is how I see it. So it's a it's a reserves game between Collingwood and Sydney uh, in 1985, uh, and they used to alternate between Swans games at Sydney and reserves games on a Sunday for broadcast and um, for some reason John Burke has just been reported and, well, he's gone the umpire and just absolutely loses it and which probably provides arguably the greatest or at least in the top five commentary moments of all time involving Sandy Roberts and uh, Slug Jordan. Sandy Roberts and Slug Jordan.
2: (laughs) Actually, when I was... Oh, he just whacked me up. Hey! Oh, no! That's unbelievable! Oh, boy. Well, that's, this is sensational. That... The umpire has gone down. Now, there are a number of others coming up to talk to him. Surely, we've got to get the Collingwood runner out here and uh, get him off the ground for a score. Oh, you're whack oh right he wants to be very careful because... Uh, I'd take him off now. The well, he's got it. I think he's got... you've got to take the boy off. Very smart. Definitely. You've Straight got to take off. the boy off. He's leaving the ground. Him off.
1: And how about the commentary deal? It wrote itself, didn't it? It wrote itself into Football Folklore and who would have thought that it was, yes, a reserve match on a Sunday being broadcast and you know, that line has been used uh, in commentary since. Get
0: there's the boy no- off.
1: Yes, and there's references to it um, throughout the 90s uh, in, in footage that is shown through Biff Bumps and Brawlers, so um, it is an iconic moment. There's no doubt about that. I think the
0: underrated one is uh, Slug Jordan going, oh, he's giving one too. Oh, he's giving one too. Yep. Yeah, he's done well.
1: Oh, that's very sorry. Yeah, it's like the secondary line, isn't it? Because all the focus is on that quote. Um, yeah, get the But it was, off. A, it, it was a fair piece of commentary.
0: Because Burke, uh, Burke gets the umpire, but he goes into the crowd as well. Uh, <laughs> You uh just—he's going to punch someone
2: in
1: the stand. He's into someone in the stand.
2: Oh, he's giving one too. Yep. Yeah, he's done well.
1: It it, it when we finish this chat. I I want to go back and watch it again because it it really has to be seen to be believed. Just when you think it's over, it it gets just gets another um, set of legs, and oh, it's extraordinary. Again, I think. It, it probably was worthy of a little bit more airtime, perhaps a documentary in itself,
0: yeah, they kind of cut the get the boy off short, I felt in uh, Biffs bumps and brawlers. They could have played that whole segment. they only just played a snippet of it from what I recall
1: and it could have been a whole segment mm. it could actually have been a whole segment, um given that this spanned ninety minutes, Channel Seven weren't short of time uh they weren't they weren't cutting things fine when it came to how much air time they were giving this particular. Subject.
0: One of the other things, too, I've noticed uh, throughout Biffs, Bumps, and Brawlers, Megan, and I don't know if you have too, is that a fair bit of these highlights do actually come from reserves and what seems to be pre season games.
1: Yeah, you're right, Bill, and it gets me wondering why there was so much angst in the pre season games. But um, it also reflects very well on the production of this whole thing because. They have gone back into the archives, but um, to put 90 minutes of this together, you know, it's, uh, it's a fair effort. And just having the uh, awareness, I guess, and memory of particularly, particular incidents to go back and, and delve in and, and dust off that old footage, um, I think there's a good spread of incidents. You know, we mentioned Mel Brown playing for West Perth and um, the exhibition game in London. Um all worthy of their place and their airtime, but I do think there's a very good mix of uh of of levels of football and circumstance um the preseason stuff I like, but yeah, it's not a lot of sort of Foster's Cup or Ansett Cup. You know, I was just wondering. Surely there was some Biffo there along the way.
0: Well, we have maybe there's some in Biff's Bumps and Brawlers too, because we're we're just focusing on Biff's Brawlers, uh, Biff's Bumps and Brawlers one here. So maybe they saved that, knowing that they could do a sequel the following year.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because we are bang up for a bit of Foster's Cup action or or Ansec Cup, and I'm sure there was some uh, some bits along the way. You know, some really angry footballers in February kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, just just getting rid of that off that pre season angst and just taking it out on someone because he might just get suspended in the pre season back then.
1: Exactly, and it's been a long long pre season. Um, you know, who knows what's going on uh, when you're playing out at Waverley in February on um, you know. Thursday night or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, maybe some of the best work was done there and perhaps it's in volume two or perhaps it's never seen the light of day. Perhaps, um, you know, those archives have been lost to the game. Just, to just, our great game.
0: Just a Um, Another thing too in beefs, bumps and brawlers, um, you're mentioning people getting dedicated segments. I do recall there actually was a dedicated Dermot section.
1: Oh, there was. Um, and we've talked about soundtracks and that kind of thing. I think, you know, Dermot Brereton is a hood. One of the great tracks by Greg Champion could well have got a run there too.
2: Now and, Dermot Brereton is a hood. Dermot Brereton is a hood. A bloke that comes from Frankston could never be any
1: good. There was, a, there was nothing Dermot to do your own, do own special. You and he was a good victim good. in some of them as well. So, um, you know, he, he certainly got got his first
0: share of air time in this one, the kid. Uh, I noticed that um, there is – and it's a good variety of Derm uh, that they've put in because not only they got the obvious stuff from the grand finals and those encounters against Essendon in the 80s, but um, there's a fair bit of Derm at Sydney and Collingwood in there as well.
1: There is, um, which is good. They haven't just focused on the horse and stuff or the obvious incident. Um, they do have him and stomping on
0: Raiden Talus's head.
1: Oh, that was an extraordinary one, wasn't it? And it's been interesting because what well, was only a few years ago where Germany which was also a, that
0: story, which I should bring up was also a reserves game.:
1: It was a reserves game, so that's, that's one of the strengths of This and Brawlers, becoming a tongue twister at this stage of the chat deal. but it's not just the obvious stuff, and the work that's been done, the research, the time and dedication to uh, delve into the archives reserves games, pre-season games, state matches, those kind of things. Um, and it's, it's not always the obvious incident, and that was highlighted very much um, in the germ section. I still think he, he could have rated a mention in FIRO's boards. I thought he would have been well up there, mm. uh, but he did get his time in the sun.
0: I want to throw this question to you, Megan. If, say, Channel 7 or Fox Footy or AFL Media these days... Uh, wanted to make Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers three, what do you think the response would be?
1: I think Susie O'Brien <laughs> would have an empty pen. Um, <laughs> and that's probably a bit harsh on Susie because she's not alone in the, in the world of columnists. But um, we see the reaction when there's an incident like that today. and
0: Andrew Gaff, we, for example.
1: We mentioned Andrew Gass a bit earlier and we are very fortunate because there are very serious injuries um, that have been and can be sustained from these incidents. So we're very fortunate that, you know, it has been rubbed out of footy. Um, And when when one, you know, rears its ugly head, we see the reaction from commentators. They condemn it rather than celebrate it or cheer it on or, um, you know, left with dropped jaws. So oh, I think there would be outrage if we saw something like it today. How do you,
0: how do you think a social media would respond? Uh, let's say on Twitter, Fox Footy has just posted <laughs> that we are going to show uh, a two-hour special of the best, most brutal biffo scene on the field ever. Hashtag BiffsBumpsBrawlers3. What, what do you think the replies would be?
1: Oh. Look, I think it would be mixed still. I'm not going to lie. I I think it'd be really Um,
0: divisive, wouldn't it? It would really reflect where where society is right now.
1: It would be divisive. And there's a lot of people that miss footy how it once was. And um, I guess the harmless beef or the malaise, you know, we talked about malaise earlier. I think malaise are usually They're pretty tame. Yeah, they're pretty tame. So, it would depend how it was pitched, but I think we we wouldn't mind seeing some Malay some stuff mm. um, and jumper punching and that kind of uh, thing in the game. But, yeah, if it, and especially off the back of the discussions we now have and what we know about concussion, I think um, if it was the real um, dirty stuff, I think for the most it would be condemned. But you're always gonna get that section of the footy community, you know, the old school um types that wanna see that in the game and think that footy's soft now. Um, and it's not a man's game anymore and footy was better than it once was. Footy was better than it is today. Uh I think they I think you could do a special on it, but it would have to be ballet a... stuff. The sliding into the goalpost, the fight that spilled over the fence it would have to be the taint stuff um and you'd have to do it in a, would would you think you'd
0: have to do it in a in a different tone like you don't have like you wouldn't have a rex hunt type going you know this is the biff we used to love this is how the game should be would it be a bit more
1: objectionable tone it would be barry hall wouldn't host it Derm wouldn't host it no um <laughs> we, you know we're talking about people who screen tested for seven, it'd be a list of who wouldn't screen test for it now. That list would be very lengthy. Um, you know, perhaps Gerard Waitley would host it and it would become sort of a round table discussion. Oh, um, yeah,
0: so you could you, that you could have them on the AFL 360 set. You've got a doctor, you've got an ex-player and you've got Jared. and they're throwing to the Biffo highlights. I like it.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. And we've got, you know, a plethora, unfortunately, of players who have suffered, um, you know, concussions and the like post-retirement. So, um, someone that was, uh, I just remember seeing Sean miss on the end of, I reckon it was Barry Hall, the Melbourne Act. So, you know, um, maybe that's how they do it uh, these days from a Fox point of view. How would Channel 7 do it? I'm not sure. Um, Bruce, I still don't think Bruce oh, is a too nice. It. BT would host it, Um, you know, he would do a roam around, no doubt. Mm. Um, uh, You know, they've got Luke Darcy can come in and, uh, you know, ask the questions. He's done some hard-hitting interview stuff for Seven in the past.
0: Yep, say that Um, again.
1: Say that again. Uh, Exactly. So, um, yeah, you know, James Brayshaw, Wowee, Boy Oh Boy, you know, I mean, BT and... JB uh, are probably a bit of a throwback to what the commentary used to be like on Seven when these incidents occurred.
0: Overall, how would you sum up Bumps, Biffs and Brawlers?
1: Extraordinary deal. don't think we would see it again. It was, uh, I mean, 19 years on, a lot of time has passed and fully changed since it first aired on Channel 7 in 2001 and that in many ways, was many years after some of those original incidents happened on the footy field. But uh, the way that the incidents were spoken about and celebrated and commentated, the way reps hosted it, the fact that the uh, right broadcaster put this production together and sh- showed it in Grand Final Week, uh, it, it's a real throwback to days gone by. And I guess um, that fifth bumps and brawlers, um, that's the F-
0: of it can i just point out something about biffs bumps and brawlers that i'm not sure that you've noticed please do i just want to point out that for the graphic violence and for the hardcore you know put the kids to bed put the dog outside uh aspect of it you know what it's
1: rated omg
0: pg so for a production that's meant to be this brutal tape that they didn't want you to see it's rated pg just imagine with the parents are like, "Oh, I don't want you watching that Biff's Bumps and Brawlers."
1: PG nine thirty time slot. I'll leave you with this, still Go. I was in a I was in a bar in Essendon about ten years ago, and this particular bar is known for its retro music and uh, and its dance floor. It had a TV in there, and on a Friday night, as I you know rocked along to some classic music from the 90s, 80s and 90s, you know, the kind of tracks that these players would have been listening to when they were taking the footy field. From the dance floor as I looked up to the TV screen in the nightclub, Rex was hosting Biff's Bumps and Brawler's. The DVD was being played in very nightclub.
0: That's my kind of nightclub, vegan Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. It's been a treat. Megan Huskwaite there with a great review of Biff's Bumps and Brawler's volume one now volume one is available in the podcast description click on the link it'll take you to youtube but probably best not to watch it if you are a 16 stone wolfie because he will indeed cry as what was uh, explained there by rex at the very start of it this is the australian football video film festival with thanks to legtees.com.au. don't forget to give us a like on facebook Follow us on Twitter, all one word, AFV Film Festival. And that's on both platforms there. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast if you liked it. Leave us a review if you liked it even more. Uh, and uh, spread the word that we uh, do exist. Uh, we're happy to share our celebration of football cinematic masterpieces every week. Uh, in the next edition of the Australian Football Video Film Festival, Banner Man and comedian Danny McGinley will join us for a discussion on Diamond Dogs, Footscray in 1992. It is a ripper. A big thanks to my producer, Nick Bleeker, and, of course, our partner, leagetees.com.au. This has been the Australian Football Video Film Festival. My name's Dylan Leach. We'll catch you next time.